You're listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hello and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. Thanks for making the Crosscheck NHL Show your first listen every Tuesday and Thursday. We are free and available on all platforms. My name is Mary Clark, staff writer for The Win, and you can follow me on Twitter at Mary C. Clark. I'm here with Andrew Berkshire, NHL analyst for the Montreal Gazette and host of Game Over Montreal on the STPN. You can follow on Twitter at Andrew Berkshire. On this Tuesday edition of the Crosscheck, sadly it's more COVID-19 talk, given that it's impacting just about everything in the sports world right now. The NHL won't be stopping the season at present due to COVID, but it has suspended cross-border travel until the start of the holiday break. And it seems we'll finally get an an answer for the Olympics question in the coming days, and sadly it doesn't look great. To balance out all the doom and gloom, however, we'll spend the second half of the show talking Spider-Man spoilers, which we are both so excited to dive into. So, Andrew, before we start off today's show, how you doing? I'm I'm doing all right. Um, I'm doing better than the Game of Thrones tweet that just came out recently saying winter is coming and everyone's responding like, nobody cares. Like, you, you killed it. Yeah. Shut up. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> Enough's enough. I've never seen anything enter and exit pop culture dominance so quickly as Game of Thrones did. Yeah, off topic, I guess. Sorry. I just saw that coming across the Twitter timeline and I couldn't resist it. Not now. Not now, Game of Thrones. There's a whole... We have so much more. There's so much more happening in the world right now. We're talking about other stuff. (laughs) No, not relevant at all. That's the crazy thing. Have you ever seen something that was so dominant across everything go from that to complete irrelevance immediately the only thing that i can think of was avatar and i don't think avatar was ever culturally dominant it just had a big box office gross because people wanted to see the graphics yeah i mean uh i like the pandora expansion at disney but that's that's the only relevance it really has anymore even though i'm pretty sure there are like sequels planned out until like 2030 or something like yeah, that there's five sequels that are currently being like they're currently in production a couple of them i think are finished yeah all right so we're gonna uh you know we'll talk more pop culture later andrew because that is i I know we're kind of like dancing around um talking about the unfortunate inevitable stuff Uh, i'm doing okay it's been a it's been a handful of days uh for me uh with a bunch going on but i'm excited to talk a little bit of hockey and then we're going to spend a whole bunch of time talking spider-man spoilers because uh i think andrew and i are tired of talking about covid but we're going to have to though first we should mention that paul marie suddenly resigned from the jets uh last friday i believe right before i sat down to see um my showing of spider-man which was uh funny um and that was quite a surprise he basically just resigned because he didn't think he could take the team to the next level and you usually don't see stuff like that and that is it came as a shock to pretty much everyone um and yeah there really isn't much else to say other than that he was in his ninth season with the team and he just decided that he wasn't gonna be he wasn't the guy for the team and that takes a lot of willpower to be like um I'm not the guy. This team needs somebody else to take them to the next level. So it's just not something you see in the NHL. It isn't. I think that uh, people are so, I mean, self-interested is a bad word for it, but nobody wants to leave a job thinking they can still do the job, right? So coaches are always fired unless you're like Patrick Waugh who doesn't get his way and then throws a hissy fit and leaves right before the season. But in terms of like in-season changes, I don't think we've ever seen a coach walk away before. Or quit because Paul Maurice is also walking away from four point five million dollars. Like he's going to get another job, I think. Maybe not this year, but he's going to get another job. He's still relatively young. He's in his he's uh, in his mid fifties, so yeah. Yeah, so like he'll get another job for sure. I think this move will also garner him a lot of respect. I mean, there will be some GMs who are now like, can I trust him to lead a team and not walk away? But like this is his ninth year, like you said. I, I see an unbelievable amount of maturity from Paul Maurice to be in that room and say, like, listen, I did all that I can do. I'm out of tricks and the team isn't taking the next step with me. So I got to do something else. And that's get another voice in here. Yeah. And I loved it. Yeah. I Because when you see that announcement, you're thinking, oh, no, there's some sort of scandal here. Yeah. Scandal or like bad family news. Yes. Or just some 
some personal issue too like how was it rick bonus uh stepped away was it him uh I, no rick bonus is the one who took over jim okay. montgomery was the one who stepped i do away, this every rehab. time and that's because it, it's pre-pandemic so it's my brain let's is face fried it, mary no one cares about the dallas stars <laughs> no i do i like the <laughs> I dallas stars my poor brain just can't unless i'm actually looking at the name and usually when i pull that reference it is it is off the top of my head. I will get it one day, I swear. But um yeah, so you or you get like something like a personal issue like that. This was just he decided he wasn't good enough for the job and resigned. And in his time with Winnipeg, he's led the team to, I believe, one, two, three, four, five playoff appearances. Um furthest they got was they lost in the conference finals in 2017 2018 to vegas which i believe was their first year if i remember correctly that sounds about right yes um yeah it makes sense because then vegas went on to the stanley cup um so a couple of first round exits um lost in the qualifying round in the 2019-20 i believe the jets were um like 11 uh, they had like 11 wins this year i don't remember specifically their record um but they weren't i don't think they were terrible I don't think it's been a little bit since we've had to like actually like really talk hockey but yeah that was just kind of a it was a big surprise I mean all the respect in the world for him for walking away especially from that money too um so that was we just wanted to mention that off the top because there was so much else happening in the NHL that and that happened obviously after we recorded our previous episode so it was definitely something we wanted to mention but now we're on to the unfortunate talk of covid again um on sunday the nhl announced that the league will continue playing despite um you know shutting down and players getting put onto um the covid protocol list but they will shut down teams will shut down as necessary but the league itself is going to continue the biggest news though um at least just in terms of like the league's uh day-to-day operations is that the league suspended cross-border travel from monday to thursday so that's uh, Monday the 20th, so you're hearing this the next day, uh, till uh, Thursday. And then, of course, the NHL's taking a holiday break and they'll be back. So it's basically a week that they are, because I believe that they start play again on the 27th. Um, That's after. the plan anyway. Yeah. We'll see if it happens. So, But they suspended cross-border travel from base, for basically a week. Um, and 12 games were suspended because of that. And before that, 27 total games were uh, suspended, postponed, what have you. Um, so that's the that's the big news in terms of the NHL's day to day operations. Uh, we were talking off uh, off recording how uh, the NHL schedule is really thin right now. Um, I believe what you said, Andrew. There's like one game tonight on on Monday when we're recording this. Tuesday is a couple smattering spattering of games. Uh, by my count, there's four. Then four. Wednesday, there's none. Wednesday is just postponed. All those games are postponed. And then Thursday, I think it's five. And that's the last day before the NHL's holiday break. But there were supposed to be a ton of games scheduled for that day. And a bunch of them are postponed. So uh, that's what we're looking at right now in the NHL. And it's the biggest prevailing story. So how are you feeling about it, Andrew? Uh, I'm feeling good that they're actually postponing games. I think that's the proactive thing. I understand the hesitance of people. Like, why is the NHL trying to play any games? And why are they... Um, not just like postponing the season. Like I've seen some people being like, cancel the season. It's like for most people who are getting this new Omicron variant, they are going to be vaccinated and there are very rarely going to be extremely bad side effects, right? Like there will be some people I'm sure who will get like long COVID from it. And there's been some studies that I've read that when you have no symptoms, you can still get long COVID, which is interesting and terrifying. (laughs) But for the most part, I don't think there's going to be many people who are going to get very sick from this variant among NHL players. You listen to what people are saying who are talking to players who are in those organizations and they're mostly just having mild symptoms or no symptoms. So I think the NHL's approach makes sense. I think that uh, for all for you and I, Mary, <laughs> like it definitely pays for them to keep going. Uh, for them, it pays to keep going. I think the players want to keep going and... You know, obviously, they don't want to play games where there is a substantial risk of getting it, which is why it's good to have the canceled games and pushing things as they need to. It's just a situation where everyone needs to be understanding of the schedule and if they need to push the playoffs several weeks forward in time and like delay things, 
who cares? Let's just take our time, figure it out as it goes. If they want to cancel some games eventually, that's fine with me too. Like the 82 game regular season isn't a huge thing to me. I understand it's good for gate revenue and advertising revenue and concessions. So like the NHL is unlikely to cancel games unless they really have to due to arena unavailability. But I think the approach that's going on right now makes sense. I wish that the NHL was a little bit quicker on the uptake before things started to spread so out of control, but that's just the way that basically everyone is acting during this whole pandemic. Like everyone wishes that the governments would act faster. They don't. They continually stall things for as long as they can to quote unquote save the economy before thinking of human lives. And I understand people who are worried for the players and like, yeah, there's definitely some worry, but I don't know. I'm I'm at the point now with this pandemic that now that it's everyone's starting, like almost everyone is vaccinated, especially in the NHL. Almost everyone is getting this new variant that's supposed to be a bit more mild. And I know mild is subjective or like not subjective, but like it doesn't mean that it can't be awful. doesn't mean that it's not like terrible for you, but for the most part, it's going to be the unvaccinated who are going to suffer the worst. And at the point now where the unvaccinated, I'm like, it's your fault. <laughs> you know, like if you're having horrible reaction to it, unless you're ineligible due to a medical exemption, which is extraordinarily rare, you've had the time to get it done. Or you're and, like below five, I think. Yes, or you're below five. But and that's a totally different I, situation. I figured, Andrew, knowing you, that's not where you were going with that point. I just wanted yeah. to put it out there just to, you know, clarify for everybody listening. But I agree. Um, and a lot of the issues are like logistical issues, too, that the NHL mm-hmm. is dealing with. There's no taxi squad like there was uh, last year. I'm season. surprised they haven't brought that back. Yeah. They mentioned that there was a possibility to bring it back. I, I think the biggest issue that I see going forward, because I think this is going to be months of can't like postpone games or playing shorthanded rosters the roster shorthandedness that's the big problem here just give teams some wiggle room under the salary cap like the flat cap already made things difficult this season just for nhl owners eat the cost a little bit and i know you already ate it last year and players are gonna have to pay back whatever just understand this is a once in a lifetime issue and eat a few million dollars Ten, a couple ten millions of dollars, whatever. You guys can afford it. You're all billionaires. I don't care. Pay out of your own pocket and let teams bring up a taxi squad that doesn't count against the salary cap. Like, it's just, you have to be able to have some wiggle room here where you're not making teams play with, like, 15 players. It doesn't make any sense. People are going to get hurt. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it is surprising that the taxi squad hasn't been brought back. But a lot of the problems are, like I said, the logistical issues of playing shorthanded um they just don't there's just not enough bodies uh, to to play a hockey game um and i know that we've you know mentioned the you know more mildness it's still serious stuff because of course you know you never know if not just you uh, you could pass it on to somebody else that's more vulnerable uh and stuff like that but it is still a very difficult situation overall and i then there's Steve Eiserman saying that they should stop testing. Yeah. And so but I don't think we need to give voice to that type of stuff. It's just. No, I think we should condemn yeah. that stupidity yeah. and selfishness. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of going on of like um, any of the asymptomatic. Like if you're asymptomatic, you should be able to play. Like there's just a whole lot of things going on or like come no. back faster. <laughs> yeah. There's just a whole lot of things going on. Um, and we've seen uh, we've also seen teams. um stop fans from coming into games uh my co-worker was supposed to go to the canadians flyers game uh then then like a couple hours before uh you know puck drop they were like uh no fans <laughs> and i thought that was really uh funny and also uh sad because he had mentioned it to me that he was gonna go and i was like oh have fun and then well he didn't go so uh i hope that if you know they continue to do the no fans thing which sucks from all points of view and you know is probably the right move considering the pandemic, but obviously the NHL isn't making money out of that. Um, and then things like the flat cap will continue to be flat. Um, but I hope that they give, uh, you know, fans more time to know that's coming because that kind of came out of left field when that happened last week. So, um, but the other big thing, which we'll talk about after the break, is the 
the Olympics. It's uh, it's crunch time for the NHL when it comes to the Olympics. There's going to be a decision made, and I would not be surprised if as soon as we record this, and in between when we record this and this episode drops, there is um, information uh, known about the Olympics, but the NHL said that there is a decision coming within the next couple of days. So we will discuss what we think that decision is going to be coming up right after this. You listen to podcasts for the power of the inside track. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Because with Boost, you get the power of a free 5G phone so you can listen to the latest episodes and keep up with your favorite players and teams. The power of three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line so your family can share all the insights. And the power of one of America's largest 5G networks so you can do it all at the speed of 5G. With all that money you'll save and all that edge you'll gain, just how powerful will you become? Switch to Boost Mobile and find out. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save, Boost Mobile. Disclaimer, free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers coverage not available everywhere for all phones and networks. See BoostMobile.com for details. Alright, so like I mentioned uh, before the break, it is crunch time for the NHL when it comes to the Olympics. Um, The NHL is going to make a decision on the Olympics in the coming days, and... um, I don't want to speculate too much on the language the NHL had when they uh, when they posted that message on Sunday, but it didn't feel very positive to me. Um, and I know it's very neutral language, but maybe that's just me being a pessimist about this. But um, the NHL put out a semi-press release type thing uh, on Twitter that says, "Due to the concern about cross-border travel and give it all the um, this is the one this is the one for the." My bad. This is the one for the um, cross-border thing. The Olympics yeah. one is... To be fair, there's like three or four press releases yes. that are all linked together, so... This is true, but I linked the incorrect one. I just scrolled down another another tweet. Um, okay. Given the disruption to the NHL's regular season schedule caused by the recent COVID-related events, 27 games have been postponed as of Saturday, and at least 12 more will be postponed through December 23rd. And the continued uncertainty caused by the ongoing COVID pandemic, the NHL and NHLPA are actively discussing the matter of the NHL player participation in the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing, China, and expect to be in a position to announce a final determination within the coming days. And then the rest is just about maintaining the safety of the teams. I know that that is a very cut and dry statement from the NHL, but that feels negative to me. I don't know if that's just me projecting, though. No, do you know why it feels negative? Is that they're going to make a decision in the next couple of days. Yeah. If they were going to, if they said we are still having discussions about it and we'll make a determination closer to the date of like when they have to make that determination. Because it's like January 10th or something like that. That's like... Is it? Is that the date? I don't know if that's the specific date, but it's in January sometime. Yeah. Early mid-January. Yeah. So I think the fact that it's... They're going to essentially make that decision around Christmas or like before the Christmas holidays, it means they're not going. Like this just flat out not happening. And I think that's the correct move at this point in time. There's just too much going on. There's too much risk for the players. There's too much risk for the players monetarily if they do get sick over there and have to spend like five weeks, five weeks yeah. in China. Like that's a long time. So I, I understand it. I think a lot of players are going to be disappointed. I think people like Carey Price who are coming back this season to a team in absolute chaos who might have had like the window of going to the Olympics or something like to work hard to come back for. That's got to be a bit gut-wrenching, but... It is the right thing to do, and bottom line, we'll focus more on the women's game now. Yeah, and uh, I was right. It is a January 10th deadline, um, according to Emily Kaplan of ESPN, uh, to opt out of the Olympics without financial penalty. So that's their that was their hard line to begin with anyway. Um, but yeah, it is because of the fact that they're discussing and a decision is coming before, I would assume, before the holiday break, because I would like to think that most uh, league operations will cease for a little bit and, you know, they'll enjoy the holidays with their families because that's how it's always been with the NHL. But according to this article, too, um, league sources tell ESPN that it is highly unlikely that NHL players will go to the Olympics now. Uh, so we have, you know, we're we're we've crossed the threshold, really, and we've we've been crossing it like we've been approaching it for a couple weeks now, but. Um, everything we've seen uh, in the last week or so has been, you know, it's it, it, we're just waiting for the final nail in the coffin to be. Yeah, to be I'm actually surprised that there isn't more talk about delaying the Olympics. 
Uh, that's I. Uh, I don't know the full logistical details of the Olympics, but that's I mean, probably the, a the lot. The logistics would be absolutely insane, but they've already done it. They did it before, for the right? Summer Olympics. Yeah, and it's not like here's the thing: it's not like the Olympics actually makes money. Yeah, like the Olympic, and also the does, Olympic, the but... Olympics have their own issues in terms of you know oh, yeah. how they construct arenas and the damage it does to the surrounding society there's all that stuff and i get yes. it there's there that's a lot to unpack for a podcast uh <laughs> of this length but um it's i mean that's very possible too andrew it's really hard to say where things will go i mean we're we're staring down a situation that's very similar to you know last like we're basically i keep seeing people saying that's covid season three because we had what Season one, quote unquote, at the beginning of the pandemic when this all happened. Then wasn't it like uh, the summer slash, was it the was it the winter or was it the summer of 2020? That was like the Which, next- Which, with Delta? Yeah, the big wave. I think that was maybe the winter. Time means nothing yeah, to me anymore. But, <laughs> but we've, we've had these discussions before. We're kind of on a precipice of one of those like, we're not sure where things stand. Kind of all of our plans are up in the air. Because yeah. we don't know. Nobody nobody knows. And the holidays are the busiest time of year and people are still going to be gathering with one another. And I would assume that after the holidays things might explode even more. So we just don't know. There's a lot there's a lot we don't know. Um and it's it sucks though. I mean, we've talked about this that a lot of players want to go. We both like the Olympics, um, for you know, the best on best competition and the mm -hmm. um, you know, I know that we're we like to cheer for our countries in sports, and it's just that there's a lot of fun stories. We talked about the Summer Olympics a handful of months ago, too. I mean, like, you know, we're we're very big sports enjoyers, and not having the Olympics, um, or at least NHLers in the Olympics, is um, is unfortunate, uh, especially because they wasted away uh, the their chance uh, four years ago as well. So, uh, but you're right; it does put a focus on the women's game, which will be great. I obviously hope that you know they take safety precautions and you know they're not risking um you know a whole lot just so that they can you know play at the olympics because we've you know we've seen the women's teams play at various other it always feels like every month or so usa and canada is facing often you know some sort of like friendly skirmish game or like an actual complete plane is uh, winning it in overtime yeah so it always feels like every month there's something but it would be great to see them at the olympics uh that's obviously a really big silver lining to all of this is that once again we'll be able to focus on the women's game which has grown dramatically and the olympics often showcase the best um that it has to offer and some of the really fun moments and um so yes that's a really good part of it it's just you know uh sucky all around i think but the one question i had before we leave uh this olympics talk in the dust because we don't know when a decision is coming um and i believe this is going uh, this is going to be our final episode before the holidays so i think you're only going to get one episode this week so we have no idea when when a decision will come down um, but the the final question I had was, if there's no NHLers at the Olympics, where will the players come from, Andrew? Do you know? Is this like, I don't think they can pull from, like, where, where can they pull from? Is uh, I mean, anywhere. Mm -hmm. uh, they they have a long list of players that, like, because the teams had to really give uh, the Olympic Committee, I guess, or the IHF, IIHF, like a big list of players that they might choose the team from. And those players, I believe, are subjected to, like, extra covid tests and stuff like that and extra testing for like steroids and all that so all those teams are prepared in essence to have no nhlers at the olympics they have teams of players chosen or at least a group of players chosen from outside the nhl that they could pick a team from like uh, i know canadians the canadian team has a coaching staff as well like uh claude julian over the Christmas break will be coaching Team Canada in the Spangler Cup and if the NHL doesn't go he'll be coaching the Olympic team as well so there are tons of contingencies in place already they can be from any other professional league this is only an NHL decision it doesn't necessarily mean other professional leagues won't participate I mean you look at the last Olympics uh, the team I'm from Russia but not Russia that quote unquote won uh, they were all KHLers, right? Yeah, and that I think is still the case uh, for the, yes. <laughs> the the not Russia. I think it's what Olympic athletes of Russia or something like that. Yeah, it was in Tokyo. I don't know if that's still happening for 
this Olympics or not, but uh, I'm pretty sure it is. But it, it should be. I mean, I don't think Russia should be allowed to participate at all after the stuff that's gone down. But that's a whole other. Yes, discussion that is topic. a like I said. There's a whole lot wrapped up in the Olympics just in general because <laughs> there is. It is a. It is a. It's a big thing to unwrap. But um, it's it's looking unlikely that like again, like we said, looking unlikely. But we have no idea when the NHL is going to announce this. So. I'm sorry if this information is out of date by the time this reaches you, because we just don't know. And the NHL always seems to mess with me specifically and, um, you know, puts news out on very inconvenient times for myself. So, yeah. Um, so that's all we have in terms of, like, the hockey stuff, unless there's anything else you wanted to mention. Because after the break, we're going to do a big deep dive into Spider-Man spoilers. So, uh, Andrew, if there's any other hockey stuff you want to get out before we, um, you know, move on and talk about fun things, because uh, I think we need a little bit of levity right now. Um, hit it. Anything? Uh, no. All I have is that uh, with all these games left, I've got nothing left except Spider-Man. Yes. Oh, that was oh, that was such a good tweet. You really <laughs> knocked it out of the park with that one. Uh, it was Thank so, you. Yes. All right. So coming up after coming up after the break, Spider-Man talk. Uh, so strap in, buckle yourselves in, because uh, Andrew and I are going to uh, go off on uh, uh, Spider-Man No Way Home uh, right after this. Ben Online has you covered all season more with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. Ben Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. Promo code LOCKEDON. All right, Andrew. So I'm very excited to talk uh, Spider-Man No Way Home with you. Uh, obviously, big spoilers. We're going to spoil the entire thing from the opening credits to everything after the credits. Um, this is going to take up the rest of our show because we've got um, basically a half hour to talk Spider-Man and uh, its future implications in the MCU. I will call for a break eventually. Um, I don't know how you want to structure this because all I uh, put in our uh, doc is just Spider-Man talk. So... Um, obviously we'll have to go to a break eventually, but I figured that we should just use this last half hour to talk Spider-Man, the MCU. Yeah, let's have fun. Yeah, please. Because planning this, uh, planning these past couple of episodes has just been very sad because it's just all been COVID news, Olympics. That's it. That's all I feel like I've talked about. Minus like our really awesome, you know, uh, interviews, um, in the times we've had interviews and then, when we did our pop culture stuff, so we just decided to, you know, go full spoilery with Spider-Man talk um, and just have fun because it's a couple days before Christmas. I think Andrew and I are both pretty tired uh, and just want to do something fun. So, Andrew, I guess, uh, did you like it? Was it good? What are your impressions? Well, I was just going to say before we get into it, covering the NHL the last week or two has felt like, do you remember in Inception, like it was like the opening scene where Leonardo DiCaprio wakes up on the beach and you just see the old buildings in the dream world like start to collapse? That's what covering the NHL has felt like. Yes. Where you're just looking up and all this decrepit infrastructure is falling by the wayside and you're like, oh God. Yeah, it's, what am I in for here? Yeah, it's like I said, it feels like March 2020 all over again. I mean, I know it's not the same because, you know, we have a vaccine. Things are different, but it, it's, you know, that existential dread things, uh, you know, getting canceled, postponed left and right world going into lockdown of sorts. Um, it just all kind of feels the same. But uh, thankfully, you know, like I said vaccines science that's a that's a thing so yeah i i saw a pretty good meme that was like 2022 isn't like the year 2022 it's 2020 two, two. Mm -hmm. like it's it's happening again yeah unfortunate but maybe the reality that we're gonna live in i'm gonna try to stay positive yes but yes spider-man no way home was absolutely incredible the best theater experience i've had since endgame which you know isn't really that huge of a competition because not much has come out yet or since then due to the pandemic that i've been in the theater for but just absolutely incredible theater experience and my personal favorite mcu movie since infinity war i haven't gone through and done a complete ranking yet i'm i want to do that i want to do it like math wise i want to create some categories so that i'm not like just putting movies where I think they fit. And I'm just going to rank 
every movie by a variety of categories, average them out, and then see where things land in a list. And uh, I'm excited to do that. Maybe I'll try to do that for our next show. Yeah. And then we can go through it. Because I feel like that'd be something fun to do right before Christmas. We're not tethered to talking depressing hockey talk. But yeah, so Spider-Man. Tom Holland, for me, in this Spider-Man, became the definitive Spider-Man. Like, I've always liked him the most of the Spider-Man actors for his, like, actual portrayal of the character. But he absolutely acted the shit out of this movie. Yeah. And I know everyone's talking about Andrew Garfield being a scene stealer. And I completely agree. He is. He was phenomenal. Because Andrew Garfield is, of the three, the best actor. He just is. He's not the best Spider-Man, though. He's great. And I'm hearing rumors that Sony is planning on doing extra Spider-Man movies, like continuing the Amazing Spider-Man franchise now. Do it! Fucking do it! Just More like, Spider-Man content. More yes, Spider-Man content. But just get him writers that understand the character and i'm starting to believe that sony will do that after spider-verse after seeing this and even their it. um the video games too that's like a yeah. the... well i mean sony's not involved in the video yeah, games. But, but yeah but there's been a lot of really good spider-man content which is what i'm trying to 100%. say between no way home the spider-man video games which are fantastic in and of themselves and i definitely recommend them uh to play i've only played probably three quarters of the spider-man uh ps4 ps5 version then because i borrowed it from the library uh because my sister was like hey do you want to play this uh because she works at the library so i played three quarters of it but i do i do have it now because i did buy it eventually for myself um the miles morales game which is like a uh like semi-sequel and then there is of course there will be another spider-man game on playstation consoles and then of course um uh spider-verse and its uh, eventual sequels so there's a lot of really good spider-man content coming out and i was surprised at how much i liked this i mean you're right tom holland acted the hell out of his scenes um and there were moments where i was genuinely emotional i did not cry um i don't want to just skip to the end because there's so much um i kind of want to talk about the end and its implications like the end uh the implications and the stuff that came after the credits, which I was surprised about, uh, I think we can talk about that in the next segment. But I want to focus on, you know, all the stuff that happened basically before then. Um, I really loved how Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire, who obviously were both in this film, we all knew it. Um, they were basically just kind of playing themselves in a way. Like, I mean, obviously they were playing their Spider-Man, but they were... Um, you could tell how much it meant for Andrew Garfield to step back into that role. and You really could. And uh, even Tobey Maguire, too, having the very, you know, old kind of grizzled. He reminded me of um, the other uh, Peter Parker in Spider-Verse, the older. The Peter B. Parker. Yeah, the older grizzled Spider-Man. They had a very similar vibe. Um, also because, you know, the actor is older. That's how time works. Um, but that was, I mean, we knew they were going to be in the films. But I love the way that they were utilized. Um and it's interesting to me that your theater reactions um, were the way they were. I saw it in a matinee, so there weren't a lot of people there. Were there a lot of people for your showing? Yeah, we saw it at noon on a Friday, and it was completely sold out. Oh, really? To the point where we were, we were like, uh, I guess we're leaving masks on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wore my uh... mask the entire time, but um, obviously I was eating food. But, you know, uh, in between then, yes. But uh, we had like mm, maybe a third. Uh, so the reactions weren't as big in poignant as they probably could have been but there were obviously reactions to when uh you know the spider-man um obviously appear i got a huge i had a huge reaction because i i was right i had a huge reaction when um andrew garfield spider-man saves mj and i was like yes that was I so knew well it. done i knew it i mean uh, we people knew were hoping for that yeah you, you know what the craziest thing is about this movie is like I found the lead up to this movie that the Spider-Man fandom had been extraordinarily toxic. Like a lot of what I'd seen was just like, you know, if they don't do this, it's garbage. If they don't ha- like, if this isn't, if they don't complete the arc for Toby and Andrew, then it's garbage. I don't give a shit about Tom Holland, Spider-Man, like so many people who just like hate everything MCU Spidey and we're just like crapping on it. And, you know, like they want more screen time for the villains than they do for Tom Holland, Spider-Man, and they wanted a bunch of fan service. And the fact is, like, they actually did all that and made it a good movie. And I think that's what is so astounding to me about this movie is they did so much fan service, but it worked in so organically that it didn't take anything away. And there was still a complete story for especially Tom Holland, but for Zendaya's MJ, 
you know, Ned Leeds got his bit of time in this oh, it movie. Was so, where... It was so, not refreshing, but like seeing them open college letters, that was such yes. a throwback because that I don't know if that happens much anymore. A lot of that I assume is online, but that took me back yeah, to like, that's true. I don't know. It was just like, it felt very, you know, kid, like kid problems. Like, like you're, you know, a lot of the MCU is obviously focused more towards grand ambitions, um, and all that, but it was nice seeing them like kind of focus in on those little moments because they are just teenagers at their at their heart. And um, it was great seeing, you know, they had a lot to do and I liked it. Um, I also want to specifically shout out uh, Doc Ock. Incredible performance from Alfred yep. Molina. Perfect. And the Green Goblin. Oh, my God. Willem Dafoe was so good. So in this. good. So good. Was, I think. Like, he was good in the original Spider-Man Sam Raimi movie. Yes. But that movie is, like, the dialogue is so corny that, like, looking back on it now, it doesn't hold up super well. Even though his performance is great, he was even better in this. And you can tell he it's almost like he'd spent, you know, what has it been, 17, 18 years thinking about where Green Goblin would go. Did you see the and, clip where he was like, I did my own stunts? Yes. Oh, is so good. I mean, and how invested in it he was, and he like, didn't want to be a cameo. He wanted to be a real part of it. And they were like, "All right." And William Defoe William is Defoe. sixty-six years old, guys. Yeah, like doing his own, doing stunts. You know, doing all that stuff. And you can tell, it just like, I don't know, the performances were so great across the board. I think in this film, uh, so I really had like genuine emotions to a lot of it. It was great to see, you know, the villains all, you know come together in that way and just interact with one another it's really cool seeing because a lot of the the hype for these types of things when you know you get these different spider-men and their villains together seeing the uh interplay between the characters because obviously they don't all interact with one another but you know seeing all of that was really cool uh and i thought it was just really well done between all of them i, I enjoy like it was just a fun film i mean obviously we should talk about uh, the emotional catalyst in this um, is Aunt May says the uh, kiss of death arc words of with great power comes great responsibility then dies. But we have to move it back further than that because I feel like that whole arc is so important to Tom Holland's Spider-Man. And I feel like we have to give like a lot of people who were heavily criticism of Spider-Man home, heavily criticized Spider-Man Homecoming and Far From Home are now starting to realize that Marvel Studios did something genius here is that most characters get an origin movie and spider-man is so important to marvel that they gave him an origin trilogy mm -hmm. and at this in this movie when uh, norman osborne is you know pushing green goblin back into himself and he goes to feast where aunt may works and he's like trying to get help from peter parker and uh tom holland's peter saying like it's not my problem it's not my problem and she's saying it is your problem and like that was it was like, you need to make it your problem. You need to help. That is your job is to help. And the overall thrust of this movie of like the whole with greater power, with great power comes with great responsibility, or as she said, must come great responsibility. And his Aunt May's pushing of that, you know, point, like helps direct his rage away from the bad decision he could have made at the end. And yes, Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man makes the big play as well to to keep... Tom Holland, Spider-Man, from doing the worst thing that he could do. But at the end, it's not about defeating all these bad guys. It's about fixing them. And I feel like that's just such a Spider-Man thing. And you saw it in... It's part of Tom Holland, Spider-Man's character in Homecoming as well. He doesn't want to stop the Vulture by killing him, right? He was trying to save him in the end. And like Mysterio ended up like forcing himself to die. And that, I think, weighs on him. It's really an incredible origin story like i want to watch all three in a row mm -hmm. you know what i mean like once it comes out on st a streaming service or something i'm going to sit down while the kids are at daycare take a day off from work and just watch all three of the mcu spider-man movies because it is genius storytelling and i feel like that whole the kiss of death thing for me it was really sad but just such part a of me arc. in the back of my head was like i think he maybe could have try like he could have tried to save her in the way of like there were people there like i was in the back of my head i was like does she really have to die for this for this arc to work um but you're right in that like 
it's we took three movies to get his origin story basically so that makes like looking at it from the long game makes sense and then where it really worked for me because for a little bit i was like uh, i don't know if i necessarily like this but where it really worked for me is when you get all three spider-men together and tom Hol- holland is having his you know emotional breakdown and you the other two spider-men have been there They've already mm-hmm. had their they understand. They understand. And there's no one else in the world that understands that more than those two. And then I was like, okay, I understand the emotional catharsis of this film. And I understand the emotional journey it's going on. And I thought that that was brilliant the way it paid off. For a little bit, it almost lost me because I was like, I don't know. I'm, I wasn't just feeling it in the moment. But uh, it's not just that moment specifically. It's what came before and what comes after is why that works so well. But obviously, once we got to the point where he's having his emotional breakdown and um, everybody comes to comfort him and he's I think he says something to the fact that, like you don't know what it's like. And I'm like, no, they do. I mean, you can see it reflected on their faces that they know exactly what this is like because they've been there. And I think that that's a brilliant way to have gotten that point across. Um, It just took me a little bit to get to that point. Also, because there was just a ton happening that I was trying to wrap my brain around as the movie was going on. Um, But yes, performances were great. Um, Very sad about Aunt May, though. Sad that she can't that she can't live that uh, always one of Peter Parker's aunts or uncles has to die for his origin story to live that's that's what happens to heroes you know i mean even gods like thor look what he's lost in the mcu yes. over the last several before movies, right? we move on to the ending because i think that's there's going to be a lot of talk about how this you know changes things about the mcu and what this means going forward for spider-man in the mcu but how did you like dr strange in this film and his role because it was really funny i loved the sequence um of them running around in the mirror dimension i always just the visuals were really cool um but uh what did you think of dr strange's role in this film because he was also i mean he took a back seat for a while but he was also a pretty big part of it in terms of like being the catalyst for certain things yeah i saw a lot of criticism like heading into the movie about you know strange wouldn't do this spell it's dangerous like have you did you watch dr strange like he's very uh, overconfident and risky. He's a big risk taker. Like the whole plot of the first movie was that he was going to do things that other wizards or, or I guess sorcerers wouldn't do. I mean, that's why Mordo hates him at the end, right? Is he uses the time stone and meddles with the, the time continuum essentially. So that wasn't out of character character for me, but you know, strange was hesitant. He had learned after uh, previous things, but there was something that Peter said to him that I think changed his mind. If you go back to the Dr. Strange movie, when the ancient one dies and he's talking about like what he needs to do, or like, he's not ready for her to be gone. And she says, it's not about you. And when Peter's trying to convince strange to do this spell, he says, it's not about me. There's a lot of, a lot of other people who are being hurt by this. And I think that's the moment where strange realizes that despite the fact that Peter is a teenager, He's trying to do something selfless. It's not about his own selfish interest. Now, because he's a teenager, he gets selfish during the spell and kind of, he's like, oh, but I want this person to know. Oh, and this person. And like, like, why didn't you discuss the fine print of the spell before the spell happened? That was where I was like, guys, come on. But it comes back in a big way in the end. I was surprised in that, because, you know, the trailer lies to you in that you think that the spell, when they try it the first time, is kind of what the catalyst i don't know just the the way i assumed i thought the spell would go off the first time and kind of be the catalyst for things happening but they were able to contain it but there's still residual effects uh from it which is how everything happens so the trailer kind of lies to you uh but i enjoyed his role uh definitely uh i don't know i i'm not the biggest fan of benedict cumberbatch but i like him in this role because i think he suits it so well um and we will get to um obviously the implications and the ending and you know stuff about dr strange um coming up right after this break this holiday season grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar built bar filled with so much holiday goodness rich with decadent flavor covered in chocolate but amazingly low in calories sugar net carbs and fat and high in protein you get the best of both worlds delicious and healthy so many flavors you'll have a hard time choosing will you have a raspberry or mint brownie cherry or double chocolate cookies and cream or peanut butter brownie built bar gives you that extra fuel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers Or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines, Built Bar can give you that extra something you need to keep you going. 
So throw one into your jacket or purse. You'll never know when you're going to need it. Are you friends with Santa? Well, tell Santa to throw a few built bars in those stockings. With so many flavors, they make anyone's Christmas morning a happy one. Want to cozy up with something warm? Here's a holiday secret. Dip your built bar into a piping hot cup of cocoa and let it melt a little, giving your beverage a bit of that built bar flavor. Plus, you'll have a nice melty built bar to go with it. Be sure to have a couple napkins on hand. Like some of those marshmallow treats around the holidays? You need to get your hands on built bar puffs. They're light, fluffy, and marshmallowy through and through. Different flavors, all covered in chocolate. Tastes so good, you won't believe that they're filled with protein. So go to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, so more Spider-Man talk, Andrew. I wanted to break this up into two, I think, logical points of, you know, stopping. Talking about the film as it is before the end. And then you get to the end because there's a lot of questions, a lot of really interesting stuff that they did here. Um, and then, of course, uh, look ahead at whatever the MCU has planned, because I for sure was not expecting a, basically a trailer for the second Doctor Strange film at the end of this movie. Uh, so, the ending. You said you got emotional. I assume that the and so did I. The ending is, I assume, probably the most emotional part, because everybody forgets that Peter Parker is Spider-Man and does not know he exists, and basically is a kind of square one uh, for himself. In what you're right is a very, very solid origin story that took three movies to do it, but it I think it puts them in a really great position for the future going forward. Yeah, there were three points in the movie where I got pretty emotional. There was like Aunt May dying was like emotional, but it didn't quite get me until on the rooftop when MJ and Ned come to comfort Peter and he's just he's broken. Yes. And I think his his acting in that moment was so spectacular. All three of them, really. And then the other two Spider Man come and it was it just that got me, and then when Andrew Garfield Spider Man saved MJ, and he immediately broke down. Yeah, like, I don't even like the Amazing Spider Man movies, but his ability to sell that was so excellent. Like, God his bless Spider Man was so yeah, that was so, so good. good, so, so good. good. And he like his Spider Man was broken, right? Like yeah. you heard him talk about his his future. He stopped pulling his punches, which means with Spider Man's strength, he was killing guys. You know, like he is a broken person. And he's, in a lot of ways, fixed by helping Tom Holland Spider-Man, which I think is so beautiful and poignant. It's uh, It was excellent. And then, of course, the end where Tom Spider-Man makes the sacrifice not to have Spider-Man be forgotten, but to have, or not to be forgotten as Spider-Man, but for Peter Parker entirely to be forgotten by everyone who loves him. Mm-hmm. And that is, it was so... It wasn't played as, like, everyone's crying. I think, you know, MJ was upset, Ned was upset, and Peter was upset. But for the most part, it was like, this is just the next step, you know? And it was emotional in terms of, like, this kid just grew up, mm-hmm. you know? you're It's sad, but you're also like, I'm proud of this yeah. Peter. You know, like, he's make, this is the most Peter Parker moment. And I think... He owned up to his choices at the very beginning because, you yes. know, there were... There were, I guess, logical consequences to the actions that he was trying to start at the beginning with that spell. Like, because I was like, are they just going to let him get away scot-free of trying to, you know, memorize? No, No, they don't. (laughs) There's actual consequences to his actions. And you're right. He does grow up in that moment. He takes the mantle of hero upon himself. It's his idea in the first place to, you know make that spell happen and yeah and strange doesn't want to do it yeah, right yeah because he cares for peter too mm-hmm. which is very clear through this movie is that they're they've formed a bond in fighting in the infinity saga right so like that's that was very cute that strange was like no you don't understand like that everyone will forget you i'll forget you and it was like he didn't want to do it i thought that was really really well played but uh yeah incredible yeah ending. And, and for what it means for the future of the mcu we're kind of at like Almost a not a blank slate exactly, but like there were a lot. There's a there was a lot of talk I think for people that criticized the Tom Holland Spider Man that he didn't feel like your friendly neighborhood Spider Man type Spider Man. Uh, he was obviously more involved in the uh, galactic implications of everything going on. Now this is where they can do what they want, make him more of a local hero because you do. There's a lot of that in the you know Tobey Maguire Spider Man. There's a lot of that in the Spider Man video games because you're traveling through. Uh, New York, obviously, Spider-Man is more established in those games, but you you more feel like you're, you know, a local New York kid 
he's not actually a kid, I guess, in the in the video games. But this is a chance for them to, you know, really make him, I guess, your your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man kind of thing. Like, fill that role. Um, so there's a lot they can do with him in the future. I hope that they try and do more, I guess, grounded stories. Because um, you can only escalate so much. Uh, um, yeah, and I think that's we can see where the MCU is moving, right? They're not... I think they're planning on some big things. Yes. I think one of the we'll, post-credit scenes yes. also hints towards that. But they, they, there will be grand stories, but I don't think they're planning on doing, like, per se, another Infinity Saga type thing. And also, like, I think Spider-Man, they've got Kang different... the Conqueror's coming, but... I think uh, they've got different plans for Spider-Man. I really do. I think that, um, obviously, because no one remembers who he is. So unless they, for some reason, are able to reverse that. But I wouldn't want uh, that. I don't think they're going to. Yeah, I was like, I don't... I mean... I, I hope I, they don't do it until, like, maybe the end of his saga. I don't know. I'm not sure. But obviously there's a lot more going around in the universe. Because you're right. The end credits with all the Doctor Strange stuff is, you know, very big stuff. But I'm glad that they seem to be focusing on Spider-Man as more of the, you know, small stuff. That uh, That's where I yeah. think he works best. And I'm really excited if that's the direction they continue with. Because you can do big stuff in Marvel. I'm really excited for the the Doctor Strange uh, stuff, which we're, I guess, about to talk about shortly. But I think Spider-Man works best as a small, you know, small sort of hero uh, doing that kind of stuff. So I really am excited to see where they go because I think that there is room for both of these stories in the MCU, and that's really exciting to me. Yeah, it was really good. Can we talk about the suit that he made yeah. at the end there? Yeah. Oh, my God, it's so beautiful. Oh, yes. It looks so good. I'm so excited to see what... What he does is kind of basically a one-man team because we really yeah. didn't get that. He was obviously a lot aided a lot by. Well, see, there's a lot of criticism about like how much the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies he had like support from other people, but in actuality, this was the only time in any of the Spider-Man movies where he did have support in like the climax. Like he had to face like people criticize like oh he had Stark tech in Spider-Man: Homecoming, not in the end he didn't. <laughs> He faced the vulture down in sweats, you know, that he and um, like goggles that he made himself, web shooters that he made himself in Far From Home. He had zero support and he had to fight the final battle essentially blind. Mm -hmm. Right. He relied entirely on his spider sense. And I think what is one of the best Spider-Man sequences ever put to film. So I think a lot of that criticism of the MCU Spider-Man not having to do things himself is like basically bullshit from people who didn't watch the movie very closely or just want to hate it'll just MCU. be it'll just be nice that they're kind of like in a square one situation with yeah Spider-Man. but i think it's it's better than a square one in that he's felt support and been being a part of a team before and now he doesn't have it yes right so it's like he's he will probably be at a very low point in the next spider-man movie but did you notice that uh, mj was still wearing the broken black lotus necklace that he gave her in far from home mm-hmm. i think by the end of the next movie she's gonna they, they need to at least give somehow. him something yeah, they can't just like like I know it'd be nice for the consequences to stick, and I hope they do like for a while. But it would be nice if he gets something nice, you know. Just like it sucks, you know, having everybody forget about you and nobody knows your who you are and your friends, your 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 girlfriend. That that must absolutely suck. But moving on from the movie itself, I want to talk. I know there's you know the venom. We didn't even talk about Daredevil. No, that's right. You're right because his cameo is so short. Uh, it was perfect. I was like, is Daredevil going to fight alongside Spider-Man? I was like, no, they're not going to do that. But I'm glad he was there, him catching the brick. Perfect. That was one of the biggest pops in the theater. Yeah, that it was, was like good. that and then the other Spider-Man It just happened up. so fast and it went away so quickly that like... Oh, as soon as you saw like the, the walking yes, stick I knew. with the hand on top, you're like, ah! Yes, it, but that when was he great. Caught the brick, when he caught the brick and he was like, how did you do that? And he's like, I'm a really good lawyer. Yeah. I think that was just the perfect amount of Matt Murdock that we needed. Yes. Obviously, I'd love to see more of that character, but I'm glad that they didn't overuse him. He was just there and gone. Perfect. You're you're completely right, though. I can't, not that I forgot about it, but there was just so much in that film to talk about um, that it's it, not like understated, but like you know, he stay he doesn't wear out his welcome. He stays. He has his funny lines. Leaves. Perfect integration of that. So, like I said, there's a bit of talk about the Venom stuff, but what I really want to get to talk about is uh, the basically trailer we saw for uh, Doctor Strange Two or whatever the subtitle is for that film with Wanda Multiverse of Madness. Thank you. With Wanda, I was like, I was like, of course they're going to show Wanda because uh, she plays an integral part. But man, that looks super cool. I am so excited for that film. It just, oh, like I said, uh, future of Spider-Man is you know seems to be more local focused. 
uh, stories. This is grand cosmic stuff, and yes, it is 100%. it is uh, exciting because it's cool to see Marvel do both things. And uh, do you have any thoughts and opinions on anything we saw at the end of um, end of the credits there? I love Mordo's locks. He looks so badass and cool. And it's it's clear that he's going to be in that movie. I didn't know that he was going to be because there hasn't been much confirmation. Yeah, we haven't heard a lot that. about that film other than Wanda was in it. Yeah, but it's clear he's not the villain, which is very interesting. They're doing the long game with Mordo, which I love. I love seeing long game villains. You know, like even if it's not somebody who consistently stays a villain like Loki, but having like somebody in the background like Thanos that you know is coming. Mordo will be Strange's biggest villain by the third movie but in this one i think he might be forced to help him because evil dr strange yeah isn't that from what if i looked up stuff no it's not from what if okay so a lot of people said that it was but it's very clear that it's not that one because that please explain dr strange gets okay so that dr strange there is a dr strange that's different in what if that makes like horrible decisions and starts absorbing demons and stuff like that because he's try- what happens is like in his reality Christine Palmer is in the car with him when he gets in his accident and she dies and he tries to like go back in time and save her but it's called uh it's what's called an absolute point in time it can't be changed she has to die in that universe and he like spends eons discovering all this power and uh immorally absorbing all this power to try to change this absolute point in time does and then his world collapses into nothingness. And so that strange, though, in the end becomes redeemed in trying to save like the multiverse from uh, an Ultron with the Infinity Stones that starts like traveling through the multiverse and taking over universes. So that strange was not evil. He just allowed his pain to like do awful things. Right. This strange looks evil. Mm hmm. So this is a different Strange. I think people saw that there was another Doctor Strange and assumed it would be the one from the What If. But this is not Doctor Strange Supreme, which is what the one from What If is being talked about as. So this is something different. I'm really excited for that movie. Yeah. I know a lot of people have talked about Wanda being the villain. I think that's kind of busted just from the trailer. And the trailers lie. But if anything, maybe she'll be corrupted at some point in the movie. But I don't believe she's the main villain Yeah, I would like, obviously, you know, it would be nice to do, like, have more complex character facets and all that stuff. But I don't think she's going to be necessarily evil. Though. Yeah. It would be cool to just, you know, see the consequences of her actions and all that type of stuff. And just the way that Marvel builds off of that type of stuff is always so interesting to me. So um, I was just surprised that we got like a full blown what felt like a trailer, basically. Like, I don't even yeah, they, remember they haven't done that everything since... that happened in it. But that was that was there was a lot in there. Yeah, I think the last time they did the post credit scene as a trailer was... I would whichever came out right before Avengers, either Thor or Captain America first Avenger, and they did the first trailer for Avengers. Mm-hmm. So either they think Doctor Strange is going to be that big, or this is a big departure from what they've been doing for post credit scenes for a long time. Yeah. So it's it's very interesting. Now the Venom one. I was so happy about how this ended. I saw a lot of people being really disappointed that Tom Hardy's Venom came into the universe and then was knocked right back out of it with leaving a little bit of a Venom symbiote. But after this movie, I came home and watched Venom Let There Be Carnage with Kish that night after the kids went to bed. And that movie is absolutely astonishingly awful. (laughs) It is so bad. I could not recommend anybody watch that movie. It's like even Woody Harrelson's wigs alone are worth turning a movie off for. It, it's so bad. The only thing that kind of saves it a little bit is that Tom Hardy and his interaction with the Venom symbiote are like, it's funny, but it's funny in a like corny made in 1999 way, not in a way that would in any way fit in the MCU. So I'm glad they got the little cameo over with, and there's going to be a different Venom in the MCU with an origin story that makes sense as opposed to the one in the Sony verse where it's just venom randomly without spider-man which just doesn't work for me yeah at all i've never seen those films but and i really don't have any intention to they're not good but yeah i think that that's a good way to get him in there have his because you're right the tones are too they're very different and i don't think that they would work together so i hope that they you know use that venom tease and um you know create a venom of their own that is more 
personal and fits the tone of the MCU more. But I think that those films are allowed to stand on their own, but it's nice that they connected them in that sort of way. Do you have any final thoughts on Spider-Man? I know, like I said, we uh, we talked for basically a half hour on this, but there was a lot to unpack and I feel like it was worth it. But did you have any final thoughts? Um, anything else you want to you wanna mention about the film at all? Um, I mean, there's tons that we could get into. I think that the, there's a lot of people talking about how that lo- little bit of Venom symbiote might be a, a hint of where they're going next for like a big event, like what the next Avengers movie could be. And a lot of people are thinking it might be Secret Wars, Ooh. which if you're not familiar, is like the biggest crossover event that Marvel did at that point in like the 1980s, late 80s, I think. But that would be so far in the future that you would need... Fantastic Four to be out, which I think is supposed to be scheduled for 2024, and you'd need Mm X-Men. And the X-Men are coming. I don't know when, but I'm very hyped for that, because if you know anything about my takes for movies, I absolutely hate the Fox Men. (laughs) I I really hate it. They only made one good movie, and it was Logan. And even that movie, which is flat out almost a masterpiece, I I exited that movie pissed off because... I realized what they could have done the whole time if they had competent direction and writing and a plan. And Hugh Jackman could have been giving those level of performances the whole time. But no, they just pissed away arguably my favorite character's origin and entire life until he died in Logan. Spoilers. <laughs> uh, my final thought, uh, we got our first look at, I think, our first look at uh, America Chavez uh, in yes, the Doctor did. Strange right. trailer. Because I was like, wait, who is that? And I was like, wait a minute. I know you. Um, it's America Chavez. Yeah. So uh, it's really cool how they're starting to, you know, pull in new things, start to, you know, build up the next phase of the MCU. Um, yeah. I just, I thought that was really neat and definitely something I just wanted to mention because I was like, oh, this is cool. Uh, because there was a lot happening in that in that trailer and uh, it's hard to remember all of it, but I wanted to shout that out at least. But yeah, I really great film. I think we both had a very good time at the, at the theater. I'm... I'm happy that we both got to talk about this, though, because like I said, this was much needed levity considering everything else in the NHL has been miserable. So I'm definitely, definitely worth talking about. But that's all the time we have for you today on the Crosscheck NHL Show. It's part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Make sure to follow us on your podcast platform of choice from Apple to Odyssey to Spotify and rate reviews while you're at it. You can follow the pod at Crosscheck NHL on Twitter, me at Mary C. Clark on Twitter, and Andrew at Andrew Berkshire on Twitter. Thanks for making the Crosscheck NHL show your first listen every Tuesday and Thursday. Uh, now make your second listen, Locked on Bets. Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling.